Season's going to end on a double doink. 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 Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know. It's the TC Martin Show. Yeah, I had an idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea, and then uh... prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why it's funny? It wasn't. It wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about it. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not fun. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me? Yeah, I had another idea. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us. Oh, yeah, it is a Tuesday afternoon. A little moody blues. Kind of a little moody today, huh? I don't know. Are you moody? The weather's a little bit moody here in Las Vegas, but that's okay. And the madness is here. It is upon us, and the actual NCAA tournament starts tonight with the play-in games. Two tonight, two tomorrow. But we get ready for Thursday. That's when the real deal really starts. All right, today, jam-packed show coming your way. Talking about the madness. Tim Brando will join us. Uh, Tim Brando has called so many fantastic, memorable March Madness moments of his time at CBS. He's now on Fox. Of course, Fox doesn't have the official rights to the NCAA tournament, but they had the Big East, and you know Tim Brando does a fantastic job uh, weekly on the football side and the basketball side. Timmy B, my man, he joins us today. Always fun with him. And then speaking of CBS, uh, the, the former head coach at Villanova, who does a fantastic job on the broadcasting side as a college basketball analyst, Steve Lapis joins us today. Always love having Lap on. And actually, he will uh, be doing the games, of course, uh, this week. He's got USC, Michigan State, Marquette, Vermont. He's got Purdue. He's got the Memphis-Florida uh, Atlantic game. So we'll talk to Steve Lapis regarding all of that. Chuck Esposito will join us over at Red Rock from the bookmaking side. So we got all of that and a whole lot more coming your way. T.C. Martin, Nick Nice on the other side of the glass, my man. And uh, Numchuck uh, away in an undisclosed location as way our... Our astute producers uh, making it all happen here for you today. And, of course, uh, Terrible Tuesday. You know what that means. Plenty of Terrible Tuesday uh, takes that we'll get for you. So, yes, uh, looking forward to the tournament getting underway tonight. And then, again, like we said, Thursday and Friday, we will be at the Westgate, our Friday home normally. But, of course, on special occasions, we're out there uh, other days as well, too. So Thursday and Friday, opening rounds of the NCAA tournament. So come on by, uh, see the show, and... More importantly, check out all of the great action, all the big screen TVs starting bright and early at 9 o'clock in the morning. Of course, uh, we'll be broadcasting the show from 2 to 4, but we'll be out there all day, all night. And, of course, Hoop Central going on as well at the Westgate. You can get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com for that. Hoop Central tickets, only 40 bucks, And uh, watch the games in uh, lavish style inside the International Theater. And that will be going on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at the Westgate Las Vegas. Okay, so a lot to get on uh, today. And, you know, we talked yesterday about the breaking news at the time yesterday of Jimmy Garoppolo signing with the Raiders. Three-year deal, $67.5 million, $34 million guaranteed. And we talked about how that basically Josh McDaniel, Dave Ziegler, the coach and general manager, respectively, of the Las Vegas Raiders, just really believe that Jimmy Garoppolo is a better fit for them than Derek Carr, 
makes sense. Understand that. Uh, and Garoppolo and McDaniels, of course, spent time together from 2014 to 2017. So there you have it. Uh, the Raiders, uh, let Jared Stidham go. He is now a backup of the Broncos. So of course the Raiders, uh, are going to need some backup, uh, quarterback help, but they've got their quarterback. All right. So well, all that being said, the Raiders were very, very active as well today. As we get into more of this today, which leads us to all of this, or some of it, or a majority of it, being terrible. It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. All right, so tomorrow is the official beginning of free agency. All right, March the 15th, it all goes down. But you know what today is? Today is almost like, you know, a holiday in itself because everything has a name for it. As we know, I mean, what, the day after Thanksgiving is Black Friday as we celebrate the shopping and, right, we've got all that going on. Every day seems to have a, a different celebratory type of food day, right? We've got that. Well, you know what they're actually calling today? Legal free agent tampering. This just cracks me up because tomorrow, you know, midnight, boom, eh, free agency frenzy begins. Everybody can officially sign contracts. But what have we been hearing for about the last five or six days? So-and-so has agreed to a deal. So-and-so has agreed to a deal with this team. However, we cannot make it official because why? Well, it can't be official until March 15th. So now you have people... In the media, basically not being allowed to say a certain person's name, like Aaron Rodgers, and we'll just say you know the the the, the guy who's played with the Green Bay Packers for X amount of time, given his birthday, because yeah, they can't really formally announce anything, and teams cannot be negotiating with other teams or free agents. All right. Because it's legal free agent tampering. Now, tampering would be illegal, right? But the legal free agent tampering, kind of like an oxymoron. Doesn't it sound like that? I don't get it. But that's what this is. So it's like, well, you know, we can have people talk to them for us, but we actually can't talk to them. Like in the Aaron Rodgers situation, okay, Rodgers is not a free agent. He's property still of the... Uh, Green Bay Packers. But the Packers said, you know, you're out of here. Okay, you want to go negotiate with the Jets? That's fine because, okay, fine. We'll grant your wish and we're going to pick the team. We're going to trade you to. We're going to trade you to the Jets. You want to go have a feeling out process with them? Okay, that's fine. But for other free agents that really don't become free agents until midnight tonight, well, can't be talking to them, but they've been signing deals. So this is the legal free agent tampering process and today it's all going crazy all right so the raiders make the move with jimmy garoppolo okay good move good move for the raiders about the best they could possibly do is jimmy garoppolo better than Derek carr probably so there you have it jimmy g has been in the super bowl multiple playoff games uh actually you know got super bowl rings for his time in new england not really getting in the game but that's okay Jimmy Garoppolo is your new Raiders quarterback. But the Raiders didn't stop there. The Raiders are making more moves. 
Today, they signed Jacoby Myers. Do you remember him? Mac Hollins out on defense. He's all the way back. Uh, Stevenson is inside the 30, flips it back. Stanford band nowhere in sight. Uh Uh-oh, it's picked off. Uh Uh-oh, oh Oh, no. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. Incredible. Chandler Jones takes it in and wins the game for the Raiders. Yes, that Jacoby Myers. That's right. He's coming back to the scene because the Raiders signed Jacoby Myers today. All right? Or I guess tomorrow, officially. Yes. Jacoby Myers, the Hammenager who tried to throw a pass to Mac Jones. That's right. The Patriots quarterback. The Patriots wide receiver, Jacoby Jones, panicking, not knowing what to do, instead of running out of bounds or getting upfield to try to get a field goal range to win the game for the Patriots and said, no, no, no. Uh, I used to be a quarterback. I could fling it over to Mac. Hey, Mac, where are you at? Mac's going, I'm not here. What are you talking about? Oh, Chandler Jones? Oh, former Patriot? Mm. Patriot to Patriot. Intended for another Patriot. But the former Patriot picks it off, goes 48 yards for the touchdown. Of course, you remember it. We made fun of this Hammenager forever. Now this goofball is a member of the Raiders. The goofball that gave the game away for his team. The New England Patriots gave the game to the Raiders. And let's not forget, essentially cost his team at the time, the New England Patriots, a berth in the playoffs because of that bonehead play. Yeah, that guy, that guy who the Patriots said, we don't want you anymore. You're a free agent. We going to let you go. And what's Josh McDaniel, Dave Ziegler say? That's the guy we want. We want that bonehead guy that probably has no sense whatsoever. We want him on our team. What do you think for that? I don't know how to follow up on any of that. You lost me a long time ago when you said this guy to that guy to this guy to that guy. I, I'm honestly trying to think of how Are many... you following the play? Well, no, you know I, the play. I, well, I remember it because I yeah, saw it, but... I had to refresh my memory. I'm like, what play right. was he talking about? Oh, like, oh yeah, that play, of course. How do we right. not remember that right. play? You talk about bonus. No, but so I was. Are you with me? Are you with me? I, I'm trying to think of how many times we've actually ever seen a successful play like that. The 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 toss around, the rugby style pitch and toss and lateral zero. It, that's what I'm saying. So why do they? I, I know, I know. It's like it's a slim chance. It's all out. You got to win whatever and try. But I mean that that type of stuff. You said it cost them potentially the playoffs and and yeah. all that good stuff. So the only thing I could ever think of was Music City Miracle. But that obviously was a different type of play. It wasn't uh, a lateral. And, it and here's around. the thing. If you're going to do this, and this is what I would say, go, go the hook and lateral. Something go downfield. Because this this nonsense of throwing backwards, 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 backwards. backwards, backwards, backwards. It never works. Touchdown, safety, whatever is, is going to happen. Nothing good happens. But again, that didn't even need to happen. Nobody anticipated this Hammenager to do that. Well, they were tied. It was 24-24. Thank you. There was no need to do that. Go downfield, get as close as you can for a field goal, right? Zero point to do that. Absolute zero. So that is the guy that the Raiders signed for three years for $33 million. Now wait for it. Here comes the best part. Yeah. Including, there's a guarantee in there. $21 million guaranteed for that guy. Wow. 
for that guy. Good agent. <laughs> Lamar Jackson needs that agent. <laughs> it reunites Myers with Josh McDaniels because... Reunited. It feels so good. Peaches and Herb. 2019 to 2021, they were together. Does this sound familiar? Yeah. Garoppolo? Yeah. Patriot? Yeah. It's the good Myers, old boy network. Patriot? Hey, Chandler Jones. Patriot, right? Brandon Bolden was a Raider last year, right? Everybody goes Patriot. to where it's comfortable. Look at Derek Carr went to his guy who drafted him, right? Dennis Allen. In, literally. In, oh. Literally. No, Thank you very much. I didn't know I could play out with the space bar. I was an accident. Literally. This is Patriots West. We joked about that all last year. This is Patriots West. Let's see. Let me guess. Couldn't get anybody else. Couldn't get Tom Brady? Oh, that's right. They did try to get Tom Brady, right? Maybe huh? they can get Edelman. How about, I was going to say, how about Julian Edelman, huh? Well, Let's go ahead and get Welker. Julian Edelman. Yeah. Get Wes Welker. Bring Wes Welker back. Hey, why not Gronk? He's retired. Vinatieri. He's doing commercials. He's doing movies. Vinatieri. Yeah, I love Adam Vinatieri. Uh, Steven Gatkowski. That's my man. Gatkowski. I used to love drafting that guy in the fourth round of every draft. Yeah, you did. That's right. That was <laughs> your love guy. Love that guy. That was your guy. Okay. How about Teddy Bruschi? Bring back Sacramento Sports Hall of Famer Teddy Bruschi. Why not? Why not? Bring back Randy Moss. All right? Oh, he's not he had a, a cup, He had a cup of coffee there. He's not a patriot. There he goes. Bring back Jim Plunkett. How about old school? Bring back Jim Plunkett. He's still alive. Bring him back. Oh, he was a Raider too. But he was a patriot first. Remember that. How about Steve Grogan? You want him and his receding hairline number 14? Don't know him. You don't know him. Jeez. No. Steve Grogan. Sam Bam Cunningham. Ha. Huh? Former UNLV. Sounds like a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Bam Cunningham. Jacoby Myers. Hey, I'd rather have the attorney. Do you know where I'm going with that? Jacoby and Myers. Oh, yeah, Jacoby. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I don't know if that's out here or, what, yeah. or if that's my California roots or whatever. Yeah. I'd rather have the attorney. You know what? He might need an attorney. Raider fans might need an attorney because this guy has got to be the stupidest player in the National Football League. Uh, he has to be. Anybody that pulls that nonsense, that shenanigans, and go, again, what? Proceed you to do that. And like you said, Nick, you hit the nail on the head. The game was tied. You've got the ball at midfield. In midfield? There was no point. <laughs> Hold back with your stupids. And yes, I need a spit shield over here. I, I understand. <laughs> well, you do have a proverbial glass. Don't you? Uh, yes. Are, you know, are the Raiders going to be any good, though? That's the real question. Are they going to actually do anything? Are they finally going to do anything? Well... They should be better this year than they last should. year. But we said that last year, they should be better than the year before. So who knows? But the, Jacoby Myers, this signing just cracks me up. Well, the fact that they got rid of Darren Waller was a shocker. I, uh, You know, why, why would you do that? Well, I mean, money. I guess the only thing is money. I, w- I was going to get to, to that. Sorry, my you bad. Know, I didn't he, mean to steal your thunder. He, 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 <laughs> you know, here's the thing about Jacoby Myers. You know, he forgot that he was a wide receiver. Uh, he thought he was a quarterback. But the thing about it is, he must have amnesia because he was a quarterback. NC State tried to draft him out of high school as a quarterback, but he wasn't very good, so he never played quarterback. Uh, so he's only played wide receiver three years prior to that, his sophomore, junior, senior season at NC State. But anyway, why? Why would the Raiders do this when they had plenty of good wide receivers? You got Devontae Adams, obviously one of the best. Hunter Renfro is... Very, very good. Mac Hollins, who was in that highlight, nothing wrong with Mac Hollins. Keenan Cole, nothing wrong with him. You need Jacoby Myers. You you need him to uh, sacrifice him as uh, something else for him. Come on, are you kidding me? You know, here's the thing about that. 
Raider fans are going to love this guy. They're going to give him a standing ovation because, hey, you're the guy that gave us the win. They're going to love that guy, right? Yeah. Until he does something moronic like he did going back to last December. When we see hey, that. You can't blame it all on just him, though. On that oh, no. Play. I blame it wholly on, uh, entirely on him. The coach. The blame coach had the coach. You think Belichick had anything to do with that? He said, hey, uh, Jacoby, uh, go ahead and try to find Mac. No. Uh, go, go go, find a route there and throw the ball back. Do you Belichick he, is going, what he, the hell are you doing? He probably didn't even know who he was throwing it to in the heat of the moment. Why are you throwing the football? Why? Because it's the coach's fault for no even reason. allowing that play to happen. The play... Was a, a, a screen pass where the running back, who's the first Ham and Ager, decided to go, Oh, I got to go pitchy, pitchy, woo, woo. And, yeah. and he gives it to Myers. And then Myers goes, Oh, I guess we're doing this. I guess I, <laughs> I, I guess we're doing, I fell asleep in the huddle. Oh, hey, who do I go? Oh, Mac, you're a quarterback. Uh, I'll give it back to you and maybe you can throw it, even though you can't have two forward passes. Well, I mean, that's what I'm talking about, Nick. This guy's a moron. Not Bill Belichick. He's the guru. He didn't design this nonsense. Like you just said, it was the heat of the moment almost type of thing. How can you blame the kid for just, oh, I guess we're doing this, like you said. Where's Glenn Fry? The the heat is on. He didn't think about that in the... Oh, jeez. It's not not Little League Baseball where you're like, everybody know what you're going to do before the ball's hit to you. You know what I mean? He, I'm sure, didn't anticipate that. Like, oh gosh, if the it wasn't that situation. It wasn't the kickoff where you're down three or six or seven, and we uh, this is our last resort. There's only three seconds of the clock. That was not the case. You said it perfectly. I am going to stick to my point. The coach should have he, he took responsibility. They shouldn't have even had that play. Should have kneeled it, done something stupid, something different, something different. Okay, but the point of the matter is, if you're the Raiders, why do you want? This guy. I, I agree. Why would you? You should have put that money towards keeping Darren Waller. Why Why would you not? I guess. Or McDaniels, somebody else. McDa- somebody else. Wide receivers are kind of a dime a dozen, as we know. And Darren Waller's a tight end. Yeah. So more more the reason why you have you have Devontae uh, on the outside. You have Waller in the middle. You have the little, the, the nooks and crannies type of Wes Welker and, and Hunter Renfro. Right, right, right. So it's a perfect trio. And but, now, and now you split that up. I don't but, understand. Okay. So let's get to Darren Waller. A- am I wrong? Am I wrong though? Well, money has nothing to do with Darren Waller because Darren Waller already got extended last year. That's so he's I, making, I thought he's that's, making plenty of money. So, so it wasn't an issue. That's why it's, it it's, was it's McDaniels. It, it, it was an issue where Darren Waller has played 20 games in the last two years. We believe he's injured. Always had the hamstring. Who knows? Maybe getting married to KP got something to do with it, too. Well, maybe he's not as focused. You uh, know what? Yeah. Let's go and trade Darren Waller. So, yes, the Raiders trade Darren Waller. Yeah. Well, they will tomorrow because no. it's not official. Not official. Because today is what day? Non-tampering. Official non-tampering day? Legal free agent tampering. It's, it's legal. It's that legal. sounds like something that should be at the Bunny Ranch. Yeah. It's Tuesday night at the Bunny Ranch. Don't you have a card for the Bunny Ranch? Aren't you a frequent flyer? Hey, I was the legally... <laughs> or I mean, no, we won't go there. Oh, that's Chuck. Sorry. All right. Anyway, yeah. So Darren Waller is traded to the New York Giants. Yes, Darren Waller is going to be traded to the New York Giants for what? A third round pick. This is the 100th overall pick. I'm going to miss Darren Waller. I love Darren Waller. I like Darren. He'd come to the Aces game. He'd come on the air with me. Come on the show. Uh, you know? Smoking cigars. Got married to Kelsey Plum. Just got married two weeks ago. But the Raiders didn't want him anymore. Even though this guy is an all-pro tight end. That's a, Even though this guy is one of the top 
five tight ends in all of football, and what do you trade him for? A third-round pick. All right, where's the equa- equation here? I, I, Top five tight end, third-round pick. Who's the general manager for the for the Raiders again now? I do we do I do you be, know? be I Dave Ziegler? Dave Ziegler. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anything. You, don't, you don't know right. Dave. Yeah. Um, Good job, Dave. I'm, I'm I'm not here to bash Dave. I'm not here to bash anybody. Again, it's just terrible Tuesday. Well, it, I'm a nobody, it, so it, I'll bash Dave. It, 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 it. <laughs> Darren Waller traded. You get Jacoby Myers, and you trade Darren Waller on the same day. I I, I I I don't get this. I, I I don't get this. My John Madden GM skills are are again saying that I just don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make Raider any sense fans to me. not happy about this. Okay, Raider fans saying we're getting a bonehead wide receiver, really don't need him, and we're getting rid of a great tight end, a cornerstone of your offense, cornerstone of your offense. So, and now they're going to say, well, you know what? Now go to the Giants and good luck, uh, Darren Waller. But Darren Waller no longer a Raider. All right, and here on Legal Free Agent Tampering Day, yes, we are still waiting on the decisions, or the decision of Aaron Rodgers, or the decision dun, dun, dun. of the Green Bay Packers. Yes, this decision and this nonsense that we're hearing and seeing, it's worse than the LeBron James, the decision. Remember we went through all that back in the day? Oh, of course. With the Miami Heat, the decision, and we had to have a... ESPN special. That's narcissism at its uh, all-time highest, I th- think. Thank you very much. All right. Well, Rogers fits right into this, as, oh, as we gosh, all yes, know, he right? Oh, here it is again. This at least LeBron James was a free agent and could do this type and not of not holding an organization hostage. Exactly. Right. Well, the Packers hold all the cards. Let's remember that they hold all the cards. But Rodgers is the one that's getting all the TV time, is getting all the audio, because Aaron Rodgers wants to control the narrative, which he's doing. The Packers just saying, like, eh, Aaron's decision, we're ready to move on if you know that's really what he wants. So the Packers did grant him permission to go talk to the Jets. They're trying to work a trade for the Jets, even though it's not done officially and everyone's quiet on the Western front. All right. But Rodgers wants to control everything. And you know who's bought into this nonsense? Not only the media, but everybody else, fans, but the Jets. The Jets are playing right into this. They said, oh, he's interested in us. Hey, Woody Johnson, hey, do you think we can like load up the jet and, and, and go down to San Diego and let's travel 3,300 miles from New York to San Diego and meet with Aaron? Yeah, let's bring the gang. Let's bring the head coach. Let's bring Nathaniel Hackett. He's got a relationship with Aaron. He used to be the offense coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. Right. Hey, you want to get on the jet, Nathaniel? Do that. A couple of the Hammond Acres Woody, get on their plane. Woody is so desperate. He, would, <laughs> he is desperate. He is. Yes. Oh, Aaron. He was so desperate, he thought, Let's get Rex Ryan. Was he the owner when uh, they did this whole Brett Favre thing too? Yes. See. Yes. This this is like a day. This is a soap opera. Yeah. It it totally. This is is why. This is why the NFL is so popular because it is a real life soap opera. So the Jets are begging Aaron Rodgers. Okay, they are willing to change the offense for him. They are going to be willing to add players for him. Now here's the best part. Or the worst part, because this is a terrible Tuesday. This is what I mean. It's terrible. Aaron Rodgers is trying to control everything, and he's not even a Jet yet. He's still a Packer. You know what he did today? He gave a list of free agents that he would like the Jets to target. Let me give you the list who Aaron Rodgers wants. He wants Randall Cobb. 
Yes. Alan Lazard. Shocker. Mercedes Lewis. What do those three guys have in common? I guess they were all Packers. Oh, very good. Ring the bell for you, my friend. Three for three on that one. Yes. All All former Packers. And then he's decided to go, well, you know, there's another guy that I never played with him, but I kind of like to. You want to spend the money? OBJ. Yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. I'd like to play them. Here's your list. You meet my demands. Then we could talk again. This is what this guy is doing. This is who he is. This is what he does. This is insane. Insane in the membrane. He's not even a jet. Yet, he's saying that if you want me, you need to do this. Go get Randall Cobb. Well, do we really want Randall Cobb over the Jets? He came back to the Packers, didn't do anything. Best days probably behind him. Al Lazard, yeah, okay. Mercedes Lewis, is he still playing? Oh, he's a tight end. Hey, we could have had Darren Waller. Yes, not even a Jet. Yet, he's saying, if you want me, you got to do this. This is who he is. Heck, you know what else he's probably doing? He's probably in the process... In this contract of requesting a private locker room as well. Oh, one that was probably in the dark, right? Maybe with a special toothbrush that glows in the dark. Maybe even a private bathroom. Or maybe the disco mirror ball. Maybe that too, right? Right? He wants all of this that he got from Oregon. Yes, Ashland. As he went through his dark period. Yes, Speaking of shadows... With mushrooms. He's still in Brett Favre's shadow. He's doing exactly what Brett did. However, let's be perfectly clear, Brett was not the diva that Aaron is. Be perfectly clear. Not even close. He's a country diva. He's no diva. I now may be mixed up a little now and then, you know? May get his camera pointing in the wrong direction every once in a while and hit the send button when maybe you shouldn't do, but that's okay. Getting involved in scandals and <laughs> yeah, stuff like that, yeah. right? Yeah, well, unbeknownst to him because he's country bumpkin. But anyway, <laughs> it's my guy. Uh, yes, so there you go. Um, and speaking of which, so the Jets breaking news, right? Yeah. Right? Sorry, well, it's, yeah, I can do it. But well, you know, do what you want to do. Let's like, hey, do it. Let's do it. It's breaking on. news. It's terrible Tuesday. It's breaking news. And do your thing, man. To kill that we'll wait. One first. Three, the other one. two, one. Action. Hello. There it is. The Jets, well, they haven't signed him yet because it can't happen until midnight. But they have signed who? Alan Lazard. That's right. The Jets apparently have agreed to a four-year deal worth $44 million. There you go. Aaron is getting what he wants. How funny would this be if Aaron says, uh, yes, scratch this trade. Or the Packers go, you know what? We changed your mind. Because remember, the Packers hold all the cards. Nah, scratch. You know what this is? You know what? It just, it just hit me. I just had an epiphany. Oh. Aaron is doing this because he was so tired of and, and irritated on draft day. Remember when he sat yes. in the green room yes. and was pissed off? Yes, for two hours. Yeah. Yeah. The diva in him grew. Yes, it did. And he remembers it. I'm sure he sits and thinks. I bet he watches a video of that every single day to get motivated. He watches himself and, remember, and, and thinks about that day. And you know why? And, and this is what he does. He, he, he plays puppet master to all these, uh, uh, all these organizations. Yeah. Do what I want. Yeah. Bend, bend, and because the Broncos got who? Hackett. Why? Yeah. Because they thought they were going to get your boy. Yeah. Guess, boy. guess where he's at now. Right. He, so Jetsville. That's what I'm saying. They're bending over backwards trying to get your boy. Here it is. All right. There it is. All right. That's it. Let me leave you on this one real quick. 
Remember we talked about last Tuesday? John Morant? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You ja. want a jaw update? Yeah, okay. Give you a quick jaw update. Well, Jaw said he's getting counseling. Well, that's good. Of course. Court ordered, I'm sure. Suspended by the NBA as police launched an investigation of him taking a gun onto the Memphis Grizzlies team plane. Didn't say that one last week. So more news. Took a gun on the bus. Took a gun into the locker room. Oh, and by the way, which we said last week, into a strip club, too. Yes, even though the Glendale, Colorado Police Department said that no charges were being brought against Ja, they said, well, there wasn't enough available evidence to charge him with a crime. But anyway, and history goes back, as we said, for him threatening a mall cop, okay, in recent times, store workers at the finish line shoe store in the mall there, and then, remember, beating up a teenager... And hitting him and his posse were hitting him 17 times. How about Jaw's new nickname that he's getting on social media now? They're now calling him Jaw Warrant. As in warrant. Get it? Jaw Warrant. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, hey, in all seriousness, good thing that he is getting counseling because he's in a dark place. Maybe not like Aaron Rodgers' dark place, but he's in a dark place. But he's getting counseling and he's just saying that. You know, he's in a dark place. He's bummed. And this isn't the real me. I'm just wondering if it's one of those. I'm sure knowing him, the flashy guy that he is, it's got to be one of those chromed out pieces. It's all flashy. You know, you can see it from the the moon. Yeah. I don't know. All right. So there's some Terrible Tuesday takes. Uh, Hit me on Twitter if you like. And give me some Terrible Tuesday takes of your own at TCMartin21. We come back. One of the best play-by-play voices ever. The one and only Timmy B. Tim Brando joins us next. Come on, let me put some water on your ball. More from the master debater. The doctor, T.C. Martin. You'll never know what comes out of this guy's mouth. Yeah, don't forget, Thursday and Friday at the Westgate Las Vegas. Oh, can hardly wait. Obviously doing the show live for the opening rounds of The Madness. And also inside the International Theater, that's where you can get your groove on. Hoop Central, get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, the opening round, the luxurious International Theater. That's right. The 4K video wall, the betting stations, the food, the beverage, it's all there for you. And, of course, we'll be live in the world-famous Superbook, broadcasting live Thursday and Friday as the madness is upon us. All right. Always fun to get our good friend on. Hanging out there in Shreveport, Louisiana, more frequent flyer miles than probably anybody that I know, the one and only Timmy B, the legendary voice that you hear on all March Madness Tim Brando. What is going on, my friend? <laughs> you know, it's that kind of intro that still has people asking me, so Tim, where are you this week? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, let's see, I'm going to be um, on TC show, maybe drop by Outkick, uh, do a little thing on, um, let's see, what other shows am I going to be? Oh, yeah, and I'm going to tee it up at 9 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> But no, I'm not doing the tournament, and no, I've not done the NCAAs in 10 years. 10 years I've not done the tournament. I, my last one was 13, and I got people still asking me, well, are you in uh, Birmingham or Sacramento? <laughs> well, 
Now, if you were in Sacramento, I'm nowhere. If you were in Sacramento, my hometown, buddy, I'd be giving you eatery after eatery. That's all. I I would be there with you. You know what you guys should do? You need to cobble together with your bosses. You know, a big hey, let's welcome Timmy B to Vegas for your big, you know, uh, uh, you know your boondoggle that you got going on there. (laughs) Uh, That's what you need to do. Well, the boondoggle, the boondoggle. And and fly me out as long as I can get you can get me well relatively cheap. You'd have to talk to my agent, but I I, I would come out there spend a fortnight as long as you could get me on some golf courses. You know I would be fine. I, you know you need to think about this. You know for the future. You you sound you sound like uh, my good friend Steve Berline because that's exactly he's he's he gives me that same uh, line. Actually, I did hook him up last time, and uh, you know with some oh, golf with some golf hotel room uh-huh. accommodations, and more importantly, right. he loved uh, the the best fried chicken that you'd have on this side of the Mississippi, Tim, at uh, my favorite place, Blue Ribbon, inside the Cosmopolitan. That did the trick for Steve Berline. Maybe that'll do the trick for you. Look, I'm, I, that and uh, <laughs> you'd have to get me some Italian. Like oh. when Tarkanian was alive, there was an Italian place there somewhere. Uh, I know exactly. I know exactly where you're talking. You're talking about Piero's. You know, you're talking about Piero's. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And he got on my. It was my my yep. wife and I. We, we were celebrating our uh, anniversary, and uh, it was in October. No, no, excuse me. It was in November because it was her birthday. It was her birthday, and Dickie V and I were coming in. This old old line Vegas people, locals will remember this. It was um, it was in nineteen. Oh, it must have been eighty seven. I think. Yeah, it was eighty seven because uh, uh, Hunt and Ogman and. Uh, all that group, all the all the guys that played for the ninety and ninety one national championships, you know the, the the undefeated team that lost to Duke, the team that beat yep. Duke by thirty, yep, in Denver, <clears throat> they were freshmen. So it was eighty seven, and uh, the Soviet or quote unquote Russian <laughs> national team came into play. Okay, uh, at at uh, at the event center, and. I will never forget, Vital and I came in, and, and he immediately hits up Tark the Shark with, you got to take care of my man, Timmy B. His wife, Terry, her maiden name is Glorioso. She's Italian. They love her here. You need to take care of her. And, and Tark got on the phone. I'm not kidding you. Bill Cosby was playing at the old uh, Hilton there. Yeah. He got a front row for Cosby. Front row. Tark, Tark got on the phone and made like five things happen. One was the Italian restaurant. Uh, the other was the Cosby front row. And um, Joan Rivers was playing somewhere. And this was at the height of Joan Rivers being Johnny Carson's uh, sub on Mondays. Yeah. You know, when he, he, he didn't work on Mondays, he had a four day work week. <laughs> right. And, and so we, and he just, in like, I would say the phone call was to one guy. It lasted like maybe 60 seconds. And Brando and his wife, uh, Terry, were golden, okay? Golden for that trip. She also won on our third. We were staying at uh, the MGM. And I think she hit uh, the $1,000 slot with like the third the third swing, okay? The third, the third punch. And boom, <laughs> she hit for a grand. Just something about those Italian women, man. Yeah. Just 
Give them their own money. You don't want to see it. I'm like, honey, I'm going to go play blackjack because I've got no luck. I don't want the slot machine to even see me. But a gorgeous Italian woman in her early 30s, and that's what she was back then, she was good to go. I just waited till the end of the night, and I said, okay, how much do you win? Oh, this is wonderful. Tim, it's it sounds like you really outkicked your coverage there with that one. I mean, you. you... I, oh, I did. <laughs> I did. And, uh, you know, my name ends in a vowel, but as you know, I'm a fake Italian. I'm really Portuguese. Uh, uh, I dropped the A in Brando, but it is pronounced Brando. It's a Portuguese name. But she's a full blown Sicilian. I mean, flat out, you know, Sicilian girl. And and uh, so that makes me a full Italian. You know, when you think about play, <laughs> well, I'm sure I could I could go to the owner, uh, the proprietor Freddie, who still owns uh, Pierros, and ask him if he recalls that night. My man Frenchie was probably waiting on you, uh, the, the the best server in all of Las Vegas. And of course, you know the Westgate is now well, is now the Westgate used to be the Hilton, uh, right at proximity, you know, right down the street. You could actually throw a baseball from Pierros uh, to to the Westgate right. slash Hilton. I mean, you're there. I just well, hope I just hope that you were not back in Bill Cosby's green room and and he was slipping no, you or or Miss uh, Miss Miss Italy. That. Yeah, actually, we didn't have any time to do any VIP business <laughs> because we had dates to make for VIP treatment on the house. Yeah. So we had to go from place to place, you know, pretty quick. We were being comped. Um, the reason I brought the, uh, the the that date up was because that year, this was in November or mid November, November the seventeenth. In 87, and um, all those guys were freshmen, and they would go on to be, you know, one of the most incredible uh, pop culture programs in the history of college basketball. And uh, they were down by like 22 at halftime. Sharunas Marcellonis was on that team, all right? Uh, they were loaded with talent. I mean, absolute talent. And uh, and and they were they were just killing Vegas, killing them. And Tark had been talking to us about, it's just an exhibition, it's this. And that's what he was telling his team. Well, when the game ended, and they, they, they were, you know, Thomas and Mack in those days, they were, it was, you know, they had the Roman candles and the all that stuff going on to start the game. And apparently the Russians were like, oh, we're just going to kick their butts. <laughs> These are, They were grown men. Yeah. You know, they were in their 30s. And all of a sudden, they're down 22 at the half. They go in. Uh, Vegas comes back, but we, we almost, <laughs> we almost started, let's just say it could have been the end of detente during the cold war. Uh, it was, <laughs> it was, it was like, we almost had a few fights. Okay. In the second half. And you could tell that, uh, it was a lot more than an exhibition in the second half. Vegas came back to win it. The running Rebs did come back to win the game. And after it was over, uh, Vital and I went in to see Tark and it was like, um, and Dick was like, what, 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 what's unbelievable what happened in the second half? You said it was an exhibition. He says, well, not when our asses are getting killed by 22. <laughs> <laughs> they turned it up after that. But, yeah, Anderson Hunt, Ogman, uh, all those guys yeah. just, you know, put on a show in the second half. Anyway, I got the – I heard the advertisement before you were coming out of the break, and that's what made me think about it. And then you uh, went back with Tark, and then you had some uh, Smirnoff uh, vodka afterwards. There you go. Oh. <laughs> 
Simpler times, man. Simpler times. All right. So uh, let's get back to uh, you know the intro now. Now, Tim, as you know, I know that you haven't been with CBS, but our fans, you know, yeah, they remember you from that because you you're still iconic on, on a lot of those highlights. But you know, well, as I, I started to I say, I, yeah, I, I hear that, and I, and I appreciate that. Hmm. I do. Uh, it's it's always nice to be remembered yes. that way, and frankly. Uh, fans now are used to guys working on multiple networks. You know, they see Raftery on Fox, right. they see him on CBS. They see Jimmy Jackson, you know, now working for Turner, so he gets to to work in the NCAAs. I think he's with Brian Anderson uh, in the tournament, or at least he was. I think he is with BA this this year again. But um, so it's understandable that people might think that uh, we could, uh, you know, potentially, you know, cross over and work for a different network for a special event like that, but. I doubt sincerely that that will ever happen. I think uh, my 18 years uh, working the NCAAs for CBS was great. It was a marvelous run, but I, I think it's over. But Tim Brando is uh, legendary, as we know. And like I said, he's still doing it with Fox. You're doing the football side and the basketball mm-hmm. side. And yeah, and when Fox decided to get in the college basketball game, uh, well, now, like you said, it's, it's almost what been like 10 years that Fox got in the college yeah. basketball uh, game. Fact, and uh, in fact, yeah. I just ended my ninth year. Yeah, there it is. Uh, yeah. With uh, with Fox. That's hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah. I've been. I'll start my 10th year with them, uh, presumably, uh, <laughs> this coming fall. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, okay. Well, you were at the Garden last weekend, the Big East Tourney. We saw Marquette defeat Xavier 65 51 in the championship game. They had a very close win over UConn, and that was a game that I figured was, was going to be crazy going down to the wire, and it did. They, they beat mm-hmm. UConn 70 to 68. Four teams in the Big East, Marquette, Xavier, UConn, Creighton. You know these teams. You've seen them. Last time we talked with you, you were going on your Big East uh, tour at the end of the regular season and everything. Uh, talk about those four teams. How legitimate of a chance do any of these have a chance for going to a Final Four, maybe even cutting down the nets? Well, Marquette's got a great chance. You left out a team, by the way. Providence is the fifth. I did, but from, you know they, they went. They started sliding backwards. I don't know what happened with Ed Cooley's team let me there. Tell you why they. Let me tell you why they split the schedule. You know they they hit the toughest part of their schedule late in the year, and they dropped a couple of games at home. And all of a sudden, oh my God! You know the wheels are coming off. It's really not that. It's that when the schedule gets really really tough, and the Big East was really good top to bottom. You know, I mean, Seton Hall could get you. Yeah. DePaul could get you. These were not automatic W's. I mean, they weren't. Um, and, and, and I think that the draw, the reason I bring up Providence is I think that's an 11 seed knocking off a, a six. I think Kentucky's going down. Providence will beat Kentucky. I can see that. And circle it now. I can, there it is on the Brando bracket. There we have it right here. Circle the Friars. There you go. Friars win over Kentucky. Bryce Hopkins, the Kentucky transfer, yes, who couldn't get off the bench for Calipari, he cannot wait to take out uh, that frustration hmm. on the Big Blue. Trust me when I tell you. Um, and they got more than just that. You know, Croswell is another near seven footer. Clifton Moore is another near seven footer. Um, if if the, the big issue for for Providence is their defense in the perimeter. You know they they've got to do a better job of keeping Kentucky from getting to the rim, okay? And that means Jared Bynum's got to play well. Uh, Carter, the transfer from South Carolina, has got to play better. 
And they've got the, the capability of doing that. I've seen them be junkyard dogs on defense before. I just love the matchup. I really do. And uh, they've, they've made some magic before under Ed Cooley in the tournament. He's a great tournament coach. And their pressure on Calipari is great. I mean, it's just I mean, it, there's a lot of pressure there, mm-hmm. uh, especially since Shibway stayed and didn't go pro, and they got like two million from NIL in, in Kentucky to stay. I just think that turns up the heat on Cal a lot. Yeah, and uh, and I, I think Providence plays loose because Ed Cooley always has them loose. So I don't think Providence will will get past the Sweet Sixteen, but I do think they can beat Kentucky. Uh, and I think the game with Kansas State, if that happens, and I believe it will, will be a 50-50 toss-up. You know, they they can get to the second weekend just like they did last year, albeit with seven transfers on that team. Uh, as for the other four Big East teams, the team that got the toughest draw is UConn. Uh, and they've got arguably more NBA, future NBA players on their team than anybody in the Big East. But I think they're going to, I mean, think about the pressure on Danny Hurley to win against Rick Patino against Iona. Yeah. yeah, that's a tough first game. And then after that, you're more than likely going to play uh, VCU. And if you don't play VCU, St. Mary's is going to slow you down. And and that's not an easy out. So either one of those games, UConn could lose. Uh, and if they happen to get through those two games, uh, <laughs> congratulations, you get Kansas. <laughs> right. You're the top so, seed. I think, that's a, I think that's a bad, bad draw. Uh, for UConn. Xavier's draw, I really like. Iowa State is a sleeper team. That'll be their toughest game in round two uh, because I think they'll beat Mississippi State in the play-in tonight. Uh, and and uh, I, I think when, well, actually, I should, I should say Penn State, uh, Mississippi State or Pitt will, Pitt, right. will get Iowa State. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Iowa State will handle either one of those teams. But that's not going to be an easy out for Xavier, but I think they do get it. I like them against Texas. Uh, and I see them going all the way to the Elite Eight against Houston. And I think Houston, with Sasser, a reasonably healthy, will be okay. I think they'll be fine with him. Um, but, but the team that I think has got a great draw here is Marquette. Uh, they play the Catamounts of Vermont first. I think USC is going to take down Michigan State. I like Marquette against USC. And... uh and I think they can when they get to the Sweet 16. Who's there but Providence, and 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 that's a team I think they can handle. So I've got Arizona coming through in the Alabama region. I think Alabama is going to run into trouble not in Birmingham, but in the next round when they get uh, to the next round in the uh, Sweet 16. If Virginia is on the other side, okay. Now Virginia could lose to Charleston or San Diego State. They could. Uh, but if Virginia gets by those those two games that they have in front of them, uh, then I think Virginia is going to be a real problem for Alabama in the Sweet 16. And if and if Bama happens to win their TC, Arizona is just too good. And that team, as you know, probably felt like they let themselves down a little bit by getting knocked out in the Sweet 16 uh, last year. And I, and I think that they have the ability to beat Alabama. So I'm picking Arizona in that region, Marquette in the east, Houston uh, to win in the Midwest, and Kansas the west. Uh, the the first two number ones to get punched out, in my mind, are, are going to be uh, Purdue, which I don't think surprises many people. That that's They got a bad draw. 
and, and no one would rather see Matt Painter make a Final Four than me. But I think uh, I think I think Purdue got a bad draw. Both to have to play FAU uh, or Memphis right. could give them a real go. Either one of those teams uh, could give them a real go. And then what? Next, you're going to get Duke in all likelihood. Okay. Uh, by the way, here's another upset special for you in the first round: the Raging Cajuns will take down Tennessee in the 13-4 game. Pick Louisiana. I can see that. I mean, they're getting oh yeah, they're good. They're getting they a lot of love, time. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and they and deservedly so. They're they're really well coached. Bob Marlin's been around quite a while, uh, and they got guys that can fill it up and really good athletes. Tennessee's also hurt. You know, they lost one of their best guards, so uh, I think that's going to be problematic for them. But but in the next round, I think Duke will uh, be able to handle the Raging Cajuns. So, but to me, Duke is the problem for Purdue because they have so many answers in the post, and Edie could be disrupted. And they got 15 fouls to use with those right. guys. Right. Uh, I think that will help them a lot. Um, but, but, but my final four are those four, Arizona, Marquette, Houston, Kansas. I've got Arizona uh, beating Marquette and Kansas beating uh, Houston. So Kansas would have a chance to repeat. But I think Arizona, too many answers, to Bellas and all those guys. Uh, are just too good. I love the job that Lloyd has done. And uh, I've got Zona uh, keeping Kansas from repeating just like they kept Kentucky from repeating in 1997. I kind of like the Brando bracket, I, I got to say. And, you know, just, and I, I'm, I, I'm with you. I love Arizona. I love Houston. Uh, uh-huh. and, and the thing with Arizona is you just, you know, it's kind of like Gonzaga with me. It's like, okay, I, there, there's, they probably get stopped at somewhere point in time and maybe you know, it, it shouldn't be earlier than than later it really shouldn't but you know just like wow when when can this team actually get to a final four and win a national championship but you're right they have all of the pieces uh they do. there they really really do and i love this team I for- thought it, and i thought tc it really helped them to play and conquer ucla even though ucla is without one of their better players yeah and by the way i would have picked ucla i loved them but losing Jalen Clark, that was a tough loss for them. They're not deep. And, uh, you know, most games with them are going to be rock fights. He was one of the very versatile, probably the most versatile player on their team. Yeah, I'm with you. And, totally uh, agree. I, I, I think that really hurts them. You know, I, I saw them earlier in the year. It's really the only game in the Pac-12 I did. I substituted for Gus on a Saturday night primetime game with Jimmy Jackson at Pauley against Colorado. Colorado's not bad. Uh, and they handled them, and they they just their defense is so good. If I'm wrong about about Kansas, it'll be because either Gonzaga or UCLA surprised me that UCLA can find answers for the loss of that player, or that Gonzaga has more answers in their backcourt than I think they have. You know, Timmy's a great player. There's no doubt about it, but. What's happened to Mark Few's team is when they've gotten into the tournament, this tournament, they've run into teams that are just more athletic and deeper. Uh, and I think that that ultimately is, is, is going to do them in. I, um, I think that's the issue for the Zags if they play UCLA, which, which I think potentially they, they may. Um, and I, I have Gonzaga going against Kansas uh, in the Elite Eight. So I've got them going that far. Uh, but even if Gonzaga replaces Kansas in the Final Four, 
Um, I think the Zags and Houston, that would just probably mean Houston would win its way into the final. And I just don't think they have the ammunition to beat Arizona. I'd take Arizona, even if I was wrong about uh, Kansas, you know, making it back to the promised land. All right. All right. He is Tim Brando, and uh, he'll be on the golf course. He'll be in front of some TVs, you know, watch the tournament. <laughs> and again, uh, you know, he, he's he's here joining us. Uh, you're, you're our guy. You, yeah. know? you know, like I said, I, I, if you want to get me an appearance with the Golden Nugget, you know, while I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> the golden nugget. He's a, I, you know, I can do a little bit better than that for you, Timmy B. I can do a little bit better than that. Okay, we'll get you. We'll get you out of 1989. Okay, and bring you to 2023. Okay. Oh, I just love. I love you. the old golden nugget in the sands, man. The silver slipper. Whatever happened to that place, the man? Whatever <laughs> happened to it? I miss it. The uh, silver slipper. Outstanding. Oh there you go. You're showing your age now, brother, but that's okay. Well, that's what when stars were stars, man. When the Rat Pack was there, I was there all the time. I was working in one of those. My dad's band was uh, booked into, I want to say it was, uh, it might have been the Nugget. We, we played a small room there in the 60s. I was playing the drums and singing "Me and My Shadow," and the uh, and we were and and uh, the harmonica cats let off for us. By the way, oh the harmonica, harmonica cats, oh. yeah. And uh, I was a member of the musicians local one sixteen in Shreveport. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't get to play Vegas when I'm seven years old. <laughs> we were there when they shot Ocean's Eleven, my dad's band. Oh, outstanding! There it is. I mean, yeah. a, a drummer, a DJ at K Rock back in the day, and just yeah. legendary football, basketball, croquet, and and whatever else. <laughs> Heck, you could probably see Timmy B on the Ocho uh, every once in a while as well, too, calling the Cherry Seed Spitting Contest. You never know. <laughs> I'm one of the few guys that had four tuxedos before he went through puberty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> TMI, brother. TMI. All right. Yeah, we could do this all day, man. I'll I'll let you go. Uh, you go have uh, some good Italian pasta from uh, that lovely wife of yours, okay? I yeah. appreciate the time. And next time I go into Piero's, I'm taking a picture. I'm taking a snapshot, and I'm sending it to you. I'm going to say, Timmy yeah. B., where are you? I love that spot. And, and, this time, and this time next year, okay, I expect you to put together a whirlwind uh, Timmy B. tour. Uh, and and I'll come and do your show, you yep. know, with you for a day or two. Yes, you know? that's it. And uh, uh, you just arrange golf and Pierros, <laughs> and hell, we're we're cooking. You've got the TC food tour. I mean, that's automatic, no doubt. I got you, brother. All right, Tim. I, I know how you radio guys work. Yeah. It's all trade out. I need a little tag with the carry. King okay? of the comp. Remember, my middle <laughs> name is C O M P, baby. Don't you forget that. <laughs> All right, brother. We got to roll. Appreciate you, man. I'll talk to you soon. I want to see that bracket in my pool, too. Let's go. You'll see it. Take care. Uh, Take care. There he is. Timmy Brando, my guy. Nobody better than Timmy B. Next hour, we're coming right back. Steve Lapis, Chuck Esposito. Don't you dare go anywhere, because we Hollywood. March Man is swinging. What you got to say? In basketball, we love that capital of the world it's the tc martin show a freshman has won it for the Wolverines. it's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor tc
C. Martin. Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. Doctor is now in. Hour number two. Oh, yes, as the madness continues, don't forget to join us Thursday and Friday at the Westgate inside the world-famous Superbook. And plus, you've got Hoop Central coming your way where you can see all the games in the International Theater. How about that? All right, I want to thank our good friend Tim Brando joined us last hour. That uh, interview will be up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. The bracket's up there and everything else. Oh, yeah. Always a great time as we continue with more March Madness coverage all week long. Heck, all month long. Take you the first week of April. I'm looking forward to, again, next weekend here in Las Vegas. We've got the West Regional. We'll be out there for that. And, of course, uh, Houston the following week for the Final Four in the championship game. So no better coverage than here because we're bringing you not only uh, our great uh, handicapping guests but our broadcasting uh, guests and coaches and everything. And uh, a guy who will be on the the CBS broadcast coming up this weekend, of course, our good friend Steve Lapis, the former coach at Villanova. And uh, he's been all over the place, including here in Vegas a, a little while ago as well, too. Steve, what's going on, my friend? I'm doing great, TC. How's it going? It's going great, my friend. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, we, I, I, this is great for me because I go from Tim Brando to you. So I go from all, all of the laughs and the, and the craziness, you know, that we get with Brando. And then we can actually break it down with you now with the X's and O's and everything else. Well, you're, no, you're slum, you're slumming with me, that's for sure. <laughs> and our good friend Pete Gillen will be joining us as well, too, you know, this week. Oh, great. I, I got to give Pete a shout-out as well, too. I mean, the guy has more one-liners than Henny Youngman. Yeah, no question. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, my friend? Good talking with you again. Yeah, it's good to be on with you. You know, exciting time of year, looking forward to we have a pretty, you know, I'm excited about our games. Hmm. I guess all the, everybody's excited about their games, but you know, I think we have a really good region, a really interesting region. We're in Columbus, yep. so we're going to have, you know, Michigan State, USC, Marquette, Vermont, uh, Memphis. Um, you know, so we got a, you know, Memphis, Purdue, obviously. So it's it's a great Florida Atlantic's a great story, and then we're going to find out, I guess, t- tomorrow night who else is going to be there because. Uh, with the winner of the Texas Southern FDU game, we'll play Purdue. Right. All right, let's talk about this region where you're going to be, uh, Steve, there in Columbus. And I want to start with USC and, and Michigan State. A pretty even game there. I don't know if either team, you know, can, can win, you know, pass this round or go deep into the tournament. Uh, you look at that game, but I, I love Marquette. Uh, this team, you know, winning the Big East, Shaka Smart's done a fantastic job there. But I know there are some pundits out there thinking that the Catamounts of Vermont could uh, give Marquette some trouble here. Uh, you know, let's talk about those two games and and how you view each one of them. Well, you know, the only thing I, I disagree with is with you is that this year there's no great teams, and right. I agree. Michigan State and USC, neither one is great, but if they get hot. The way this tournament is now, they can win. You know what I mean? It's true. I, I it's true. They're going to win the title. It just this is the most wide open it's ever been. Usually, sometimes we have three or four teams that can win. Most of the time, we have eight or ten teams that can win. I think now we have like twenty, mm-hmm. and so twenty-five teams maybe. So it's it's. Just, I was with John Calipari a couple of weeks ago. I did their uh, game against Arkansas, and he told me there were forty teams. <laughs> so I mean. 
that's how crazy this year potentially could be. Now, that being said, I think I do have – it's a very even game. There's no doubt. You know, I think that, you know, Michigan State's going to have their hands full with uh, Boogie Ellis, who, who plays for USC, who's a tremendous scorer. Uh, but that's going to be a really interesting game in that, you know, uh, both teams can shoot the ball. Both teams will play half court. I'd say USC is probably a little bit better defensively than Michigan State is. You know, that's kind of where they lean their hat on. They have a couple of big guys that can block shots. So, uh, but, but I think that I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great game. And uh, a lot depends on how A.J. Hogard plays and Tyson Walker, the guards for Michigan State. Right. Right, no, totally agree with you with that. You know, Boogie Ellis, we've seen him a lot here um, in the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, he's a fantastic player. Like I said, Andy Infield continues to to get to the NCAA tournament with with the Trojans, and you know, then going looking at, at Marquette there. I mean, this team is a two seed, well deserved. Uh, you know, ran their way through uh, the Big East uh, despite some tough competition there. We know that you know Providence was tough earlier on, but UConn or you know rock solid and that Xavier team love that Xavier team as well. And then let's don't forget about the Creighton Blue Jays. And when you look at a team like Marquette, I mean, they are really battle tested, aren't they, Steve? They're really battle tested. And the thing about Marquette is they are such a good offensive team. And and the truth is. They were picked ninth in the Big East this year in the in the preseason. So the job that Shaka Smart has done is unbelievable. And it's kind of like I, I liken it to an old-fashioned coaching job in that no transfer guys. I mean, Tyler Kohler came in the transfer two years ago in the transfer portal. So no guys from the transfer portal this year. A team that everybody just got better and better. You look at their stats. Every All these guys were on the team last year. And everybody doubled their productivity this year. And I think that's a lot to do with coaching. Mm-hmm. And coaching is, coaching is obviously a, lot, a big part of this. And Chaka has developed this thing the way he wanted to develop it. And you've got to give him a ton of credit because nobody saw this coming. The way they play together, they have great chemistry. Um, but offensively, they are really tough. And, you know, Tyler Kolick was the player of the year in the Big East. He was the most outstanding player in the tournament. And he is one tough point guard. And when he's got the ball in his hands, which is a lot, things are happening. And that kid can make things happen for his team. They are a really good team that is really connected. Steve Lapis joins us. He'll be on the CBS coverage in Columbus, Ohio this weekend. Uh, USC, Michigan State, Marquette, Vermont, Purdue will get the uh, the winner of uh, uh, the game tonight. But then Memphis and Florida Atlantic. And I know you probably... I've already started doing your homework on this, Steve. I really want to pick your brain. I know our listeners want to hear about this because we saw what Memphis did to Houston. I know it was without Marcus Sasser last week, but Memphis, you know, Penny Hardaway's got himself some athletes. Uh, they're very, very dangerous, and not too many people know about FAU, but this team has had one heck of a season, 31-3. and Their coach has done a fantastic job uh, improving every year there. What can you tell us about this matchup? Because as we know, with eight, nine matchups, it really is a flip of the coin. I cannot make up my mind on this game. I need some help. It's an intriguing matchup, you know, because the, the teams are really so different. You have Florida Atlantic. That's one of the smallest teams in the country. Certainly one of the smallest teams in this tournament. They start one big guy and nobody else is over six four. So they are really small. They make 10 threes a game. 
So they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. They rely on the three heavily, and they basically go four out, one in with all these small guys. They all can drive the ball. Almost everybody on the team has 35 to 40 assists. They all can pass. They all can dribble. They all can shoot. They have one big kid, Golden, who's seven feet, who's a decent inside scorer. I don't know if he's going to be able to score that much against a Memphis, you know, because, you know, Conference USA, the big guys are a little different than, than Memphis is used to. But I can tell you one thing. They have seven guys on the perimeter. They play nine guys. Nobody plays more than 25 minutes. Nobody plays less than 16. So it's as balanced as you're going to get. They have number one bench in the country. They get 30-some-odd points off the bench. So this is a team where they're going to play a lot of guys. They're going to, they're going to go spread the floor. They're going to shoot threes. They can put it on the floor and drive it, which is how they create a lot of threes. So it's going to be a – and they are a, a very – another – you know, when you get to this point and you're 31-3, and three, obviously you have tremendous chemistry. But this is a team that's basically playing with – Seven guys that could all play the point, all play the two. You know, you don't see it that often, but that's what this team is like. They can all play the point. They can all play the two. They can all shoot. And then they have two big guys they rotate inside. Uh, Memphis, on the other hand, is Kendrick Davis is as good a player as you're going to find in the country. And then DeAndre Williams, those two guys score 40 points a game between them. 6'8", transfer from Evansville. So Memphis is bigger, more athletic. But they're going to have their hands full guarding this team. And if this team is hitting shots, which they normally do, it could be a long night for Memphis. Now, Memphis has better talent, no question, and a little more athletic and bigger. But they're going to have their hands full with this team because this team has had an unbelievable season, 31-3, and as you said, and they can really shoot it. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the winner of this game, if it is Florida Atlantic, you're looking at a matchup against Purdue. And I know that there a lot of people are thinking, okay, Purdue could be one of these teams, you know, with an early exit because we've seen that before. But could this, this Florida Atlantic team, could they be that Cinderella story? And could they give Purdue trouble? Especially considering, you know, Purdue's, if there's a, a weak spot, it's, it's maybe Purdue's guards. Well, here's what I'll tell you that, uh, you know, Purdue's already had numerous games this year against high-level competition where Zach Eady has scored a bunch and they've lost. Right. Okay? He scored 32. I was there against Indiana, and they lost. Now, that's playing Indiana. That being said, I think that the Florida Atlantic team can make things difficult for the perimeter players of Purdue on a given day. So he's going to get his against them. There's no way he's not going to. But I think they have, Purdue has shown that they can lose with Zach Eady scoring 30. Now, not a lot. They only lost five games all year. Let's understand that. But he's going to get his against Florida Atlantic. The question is, what could they do against everybody else? Now, I think Florida Atlantic is going to have the hands full of Memphis. Let me just say, I don't know why we're, we're jumping ahead. Right. I think I'm just saying, Purdue's yeah, possibility. Tough, right, right, right. Purdue's going to have a tough game with either Memphis or Florida Atlantic, especially if they don't shoot the ball well. Now, I give Matt Painter credit. Earlier in the year, he was starting Caleb First, who's not a good shooter, and Ethan uh, Morton, who's also not a good shooter. And now he's decided to start Gillis and Brandon Newman, who are better shooters. So he, he, 
I don't want to say he figured it out. He knows. He's a great coach. But he has definitely decided, I'm going to surround Zach Eady with four guys that can make a three and see what happens. And that's where he's at. So they got four guys. And this kid, Jake, is now coming off the bench, played great against Penn State the other day. It's another three-point shooter. And that's the key for Purdue. If they make threes, they can't lose because the big guy is just too good. Yeah. Steve Lapis joins us, CBS, the former Villanova coach and others, and uh, he'll be on the coverage on Friday. Can hardly wait uh, for those games that we're just uh, talking about in that region. I want to talk to you a little bit, Steve, about the SEC. Uh, eight teams uh, seems maybe a little excessive. Uh, give me your thoughts about the SEC overall, and then, of course, Let's talk a little bit about Alabama because when I look at this team, I really don't see a weakness. I'm with you. There's more parity this year. Anybody, like you said, you know, you could say any of the maybe the top four or five seeds could win uh, this NCAA tournament. But when I look at Alabama, I look at them as the team that really d- is is probably the strength of, of everyone because they can shoot it. They got height, they got size, and Nate Oates has done a great job of coaching this team, especially under these circumstances. Yeah, I mean, they have a great team, obviously, the, the overall number one seed. Um, you know, they're, they're reliant on shooting threes, and they're reliant on turning people over, but they're really good. I, you just wonder, and I, I said this the other day to somebody, you know, the, 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 they've been followed just now by the SEC media. Now they're graduating to the national media. Is that going to have any effect? All this other stuff that's been going on with Brandon Miller, who obviously is a great player, one of the best players in the country. Is all that stuff going to get worse? Is that going to become a bigger distraction? Now, obviously, they dealt with that. It's, to me, if I was coaching, I would think that's a major distraction because everybody's asking you questions about that. But that's SEC media. Now you're graduating to the national media, and they're all going to ask the same questions. Yep. So whatever you've been asked, you're going to get asked again, without a doubt. And so how are they going to handle that? Are they going to get tired of it? What's that going to do? So, yes, from a talent standpoint, they have tremendous talent. I mean, you know, after Zach Eady, Brandon Miller might be the second-best player in the country. He's certainly up there. But you, you just don't know how they're going to handle this next level of pressure that they're going to see based on the things that have happened around them. Mm-hmm. We talked about the parity, so much parity this year. What is the reason for it? What is, is it the transfer portal? Why this year is there not a clear-cut choice to like who could be cutting down the nets? Transfer portal. Yeah. COVID year. Guys are – the teams are much older. You know, you, you look at some of these teams – and you, 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 you look at this Memphis team, for example, they have all fifth-year guys. So, I mean, you know, this Memphis team is, is, is a dangerous team because of they're all fifth-year guys. And why you have a fifth year? Because of COVID. Because of, you know, guys, are, guys that aren't in the NIL is keeping guys in school longer that normally would have said, the heck with it, I'm going to give it a shot in the NBA. Now, if you're not a definite draft pick, you stick around because at least you got a chance to make some money in college that you couldn't make if you weren't drafted in the NBA. So I think between the NIL, the COVID year, and uh, and just the way things have evolved, the kids that are going to college are staying longer, unless obviously like Brandon Miller. 
no no NIL is going to be able to pay him as much as the NBA will pay him next year. But you know what? When you get out of that first round, you might have a better deal where you are than if you went to the NBA. Who's the best team you've seen this year? Wow. That's, uh, you know, I've basically seen them all. You know, I would say, I'd say Houston is, 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 the best team I've seen live, as long as Marcus Sasser's all right, which evidently he's, you know, it sounds like he's going to be okay and he's going to play. He just gets scared when it comes to groin injuries. But I would say, uh, I would say Houston. But I got to tell you, in terms of who I've seen, like on TV and everywhere, I say I think Arizona's really under the radar. Right. And they're they're a lot better. I mean, I don't know. Not necessarily they're a two seed. I don't want to say a lot better than people think, but they are really, really good. And uh, and I think and then Gonzaga is kind of functioning under the radar also. So there's a couple right there that you know nobody's talking about. Everybody's talking about Purdue. Everybody's talking about Houston and Alabama. Uh, but let me tell you something. Those two teams are functioning under the radar, and it may help them. I agree, and again, we get a chance to see uh, those teams quite a bit out here with the conference tournaments. Uh, Gonzaga, again, you know, Timmy's still there, but the guard play maybe is not what it used to be, but and the depth definitely is is not there. But the way they handled St. Mary's, the way they did in that WCC championship game, was just uh, incredible. With the chip on the shoulder, the way they've been able to bounce back, you know, from that embarrassing loss at home to Loyola Marymount earlier, and then they go on the road and beat them by forty-five. You no, know, Gonzaga does have a chip on the shoulder. Love Arizona and what they bring. They've got size uh, again. Great guard play. Tommy Lloyd's done a great job. Uh, I love that. But then and UCLA you know too. And UCLA is just yeah, I understand UCLA the Clark injury, but, but yeah, the Clark injury, UCLA, but man, they're you, tough. You, you worry about Jalen Clark yep. not having him, obviously. That's a tough that's a tough blow. Um but the the thing about Gonzaga is no, you're right. The guard play's not as good as last year, but guess what? It may not need to be as good as last year because of college basketball and the way it is now. That's all that matters. Right. Yes. You're right. Last year, their guard play was better. No, they had Andrew Nemhard, who was tremendous. I agree. But guess what? They've got enough this year to do what they need to do if everything falls right. We know that you've broadcasted some Mountain West games, not only this year, but in years past. You've been out here to Vegas. And a little surprised at the seeding with San Diego State, a 5 and then, you know, Nevada gets in the tournament, especially the way they ended the season, you know, losses against Wyoming. They got swept by UNLV and then they go and the, they lose in the first round to San Jose State. I'm really shocked, Steve, that they made it. And I know they're in a play in game and they're playing tomorrow night against Arizona State. But give us your thoughts on the Mountain West. And we know that, there, you know, four teams they went last year didn't win a game. Uh, the year before that, they didn't win a game. Uh, what are you thinking? And we'll throw Boise State in there as well because they made the tournament. You know, I was really surprised Nevada made it. I'm going to be honest with you. And don't get me wrong. They had, a, they had a good resume. I just thought when they lost that game to San Jose that they were going to be out. Now, that being said, I think this is a big year for the Mountain West because the Mountain West had a great season. You get four teams into the NCAA tournament, you got to win some games. Uh, I think that I, I think San Diego State got a good draw. I know College of Charleston's had a great year. I understand that. 
San Diego, you, what makes College of Charleston good, they're deep. San Diego State's deep. The other thing about San Diego State, they're more physical. They need to be very physical against this team. Uh, I think that's going to be important. But I think San Diego State has a great chance to advance in this bracket. Um, you know, Boise State, they've got a great chance, too. They're playing Northwestern, not a great scoring team. We know how Boise State can defend. So I, I think this is set up so that there's a possibility for somebody from the Mountain West to get to the Sweet 16. All right. All right, give us uh, give us that uh, under the radar. You already talked about uh, Arizona a little underrated, but give us that sleeper. Give us that one of those lower-seeded teams. Are we going to have a St. Peter's this year? Who could be that St. Peter's from what we saw last oh, year? God. Let me tell you something. If somebody could have predicted that St. Peter's <laughs> was going to be St. Peter's, they they should be uh you know uh they should be going to the racetrack this year <laughs> because because it's impossible to make that kind of a prediction yep. you know what I mean on anybody it just is and, but you know I mean obviously you think about Iona you know what I mean Iona's Rick Pitino's there um, you know when you look at the there's 68 coaches in this thing he's probably the best coach in the tournament, you know, and he's coaching at Iona. Now, you still got to have players, and they still got to do it. There's no question. But, you know, why not say Iona has a chance to do something? They're going to have a tough game with UConn, no doubt about it. But, you know, uh, I don't think they're going to because I think, you know, when you're a 13 seed, it, you know, becomes really hard, obviously, to go a long way. But, hey, why not pick him? He's as good as anybody else. Hmm. Yeah, uh, you know that's a kind of a popular pick uh, as well too. But you look at that UConn team, you know, and, you know, again from your coaching experience, you know, uh, as well, Steve. What what is the key ingredient? We always hear, okay, it's guard play, it's three point shooting, you know, it's rebound. G- give give me give me the, the the prototype that the team that you need to have to cut down the nets. Well. You need good guard play because you can't turn the ball over. If you're going to win a championship, you can't turn the ball over. You got to be solid defensively on the perimeter and not allow people to make threes against you. So I'm going to say perimeter play has become the most important thing in college basketball. Now, that being said, and, and I know rebounding is rebounding, but I wouldn't even put that. I think the most important thing is not turning the ball over and being able to guard people's perimeter so that they're not comfortable and they can make threes against you. Great stuff. All right, he is Steve Lapis with CBS, and he is going to be on the call on Friday. Looking forward to that Friday and Sunday in those games in Columbus, Ohio. My friend, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Always great catching up with you. Hopefully we get a chance to connect with you um, you know, at least one more time during the course of the tournament. But uh, great work, as always, at CBS. Love watching you, my friend, and uh, love seeing you when we get a chance to see you out here in Vegas in person, too. Always love it, TC. Take care now. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate you. There he is, Steve Lapis from CBS, the former coach at Villanova. Definitely knows a thing or two about coaching in the NCAA tournament. All right, we come back. We talk numbers. We talk betting. We talk the sportsbook side. Chuck Esposito is going to join us. He's out at Red Rock, and uh, they got things happening out there. They're getting ready for this coming weekend uh, with the last man standing contest and uh, all the games on over there. Let's dive into that with Chuck coming up. 
Back to more nonstop sports talk with the Dr. T.C. Martin. All the Oh, jam-packed show uh, today. Great stuff with Tim Brando from Fox Sports and Steve Lapis from CBS. Looking forward to all of the madness there and uh, our terrible Tuesday takes as well with the breaking football news. Make sure you go to the website, check it all out at tcmartinshow.com and wherever you get your podcast, uh, check out the show. And uh, again, to the website for all the past interviews, everything else, our bracket is up there as well too. All right, no better time to, like I said, get ready, get your brackets in. And the last man standing contest, always one of the most popular contests uh, here in Las Vegas through uh, Station Casinos and our good friend Chuck Esposito overseeing all that and a whole lot more as the madness is here. Chuck, what's going on, my friend? You hit the nail on the head, TC. The madness is here. Uh, we've definitely got our dancing shoes on from our side of the counter. Um, love the Cinderella stories. I think everybody gets excited about the, the David against Goliath matchups. And as you mentioned, um, last man standing. It's such a, such a great contest and our signature contest. Uh, for the $25, you get one entry fee. For $100, you get four, but you get an extra one, a fifth bonus one free. And it's just like the tournament. You win. And you move on, you lose, and that entry goes home. So if you haven't got signed up, get signed up now. Deadline is 6 o'clock this Thursday, um, so you still have time to get in right now. Um, but get signed up for Last Man Standing again, a minimum of 50000 guaranteed. And I'm, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, Chuck, about the 6 p.m. on Thursday, which means if – you you know miss the Thursday action. You can still go ahead and, and get those Friday games for the first round, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah. Now you have to sign up by Thursday, so you're gonna. It's the games that are remaining on Thursday. You have to pick every day of the tournament. So you would have whatever the late games are left on Thursday, but you'd have to win one of those games then to move on to Friday. Friday is day two. Right. Right. Exactly. So okay. So yeah, you're right. So then you're if you wait to the last minute, then you're kind of limited with what's left on the board yeah, for the but, nighttime session. But if you like session. one of those games, I mean, there's still there's still right. plenty of good games right. on on Thursday. I mean, you look at six at six o'clock. I mean, you you're still going to have almost two games or at least one game in just about every region yeah, yeah. Um, that you still have to bet on. And, and if there's any overtimes or, you know, games go long or get delayed, it's possible you have another one in there. But, I mean, just thinking about day one on that Thursday, um, you've got uh, Lafayette and Tennessee, which is a late game, Northern Kentucky-Houston, you know, a number one seed there. Uh, you've got Penn State and A&M. And then you've got uh, and North Carolina-Asheville and UCLA. So you still would have – Four games left to choose. That that is great. Now, was it always that way, Chuck, or did, or was it the the cutoff uh, either the day before or the, or the late night on on it the Wednesday be, prior? Uh, it used to be nine. It used to be nine a.m. the day of. Okay, eight, that's what I thought. Somebody yeah. guessed it. Got tied up at work or something or traffic, and they couldn't get could get to the property. Uh, so we've extended that, giving them another opportunity. That's uh, great. Most people do sign up prior um, to you know the nine a.m. So they have the full you know, uh, the full menu of games to choose from. But, you know, if not, you still have an opportunity to grab some of the late games. All right. And just for our listeners, Chuck, is that, uh, you know, you ha- you're picking that game against the number or is it just straight up winners there? Nope. Uh, picking it again, uh, picking it against the STN sports number. Yep. Um, so they're all, they're all half points. Those have been established now. 
Um, they're they're out there now, so guests can can turn their picks in for the Thursday if they like. They've been out there since since early this morning. The Friday ones, then, if you win, will be available early Friday morning. Same thing Saturday morning and Sunday and so on through the end of the tournament. Outstanding. All right, uh, last man standing at any of the station casino properties. Uh, Chuck, let's go back a little bit to Selection Sunday. Uh, we talk a lot about... Um, you know, getting ready for the Super Bowl and that sort of thing. Well, this is a very quick turnaround. I mean, you've got the brackets that get unveiled, uh, by the time this is all done. It's about 3.45 or 4 p.m. Talk a little bit about what it takes your crew to do to get these number, to actually make a number on all these games and then get them up and get them on the board so you can take, uh, a lot of that early action. And we know a lot of that early action is sharp action. And I know there's a lot of adjustments to be made on your side of the counter as well once uh you know you you've posted these lines you know see that the template is already you know set we know where all the uh games are taking place you know where all the um you know the, the the brackets and the regions where they're playing um locations we just don't know who the teams are so as the uh selection committee is going through it and we're we're all watching we're inputting the teams at that point um looking at our uh, power ratings as all the the games kind of go in and then it's it's actually a really fun segment for for us and 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 the hub team here that does an awesome job it's just kind of brainstorming going through each game um kind of thinking where where we think is, is the best two-way number and then once it's up you know the, our guests will tell us really quickly if the number is is uh too high or too low but you know, I, I know I've talked about the, the experiences when we put up the uh, props uh, for the Super Bowl and how how we enjoy it from our end, and we're the same way with Selection Sunday. There's definitely oohs and ahs from our side of the counter, looking at you know, wow, I can't believe this team is is seated here and this team's not, or this team's in, or this team is out. But that decision is something we can't change. Um, so we're getting to work and uh, looking forward to getting them on the board. And once they're on the board, I mean, that's when the real fun starts. Talk a little bit about the early action and any line movement that you saw once you put those openers up on Sunday night or into early Monday morning. You know, there's always a little bit, T, um, you know, that you see some games move. The bulk of this, though, again, is, is really, really, um, you know, as you get closer to, to Thursday. I think tomorrow's when you'll start seeing uh, a lot more guests coming in. Uh, we've got so many requests for reserved seats. It's even more so than what you see for, for Super Bowl. Um, I know Jay has kind of referred to it as, uh, you know, four, that, that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday format as four straight NFL Sundays. Um, you're definitely going to see movement. Um, I think what you see now more than ever before, though, is a much more tightness in the numbers, meaning that, you know, you, I think there's only, a, I think, three or four games that you have, um, you know, over, say, 15 points or so. Um, where in the past, five years ago, you, you saw at least, you know, a dozen games with, with huge numbers on it. And I think that really, you know, screams to the fact that a lot of these, you know, these big schools, the Blue Bloods, they, they've got kids that are there, you know, for a year. They're one and done in many cases. And a lot of these smaller schools, you see kids that are there for, you know, for multiple years that I think is just such a, a game changer when you see that. Um, they've played together. They've gone through good times, bad times, but they're more of a veteran team. For example, uh, Missouri has the, uh, um, I'm trying to think, is it Missouri? Excuse me, it's Penn State. They've got the most experienced team in the tournament. Um, with their average player has four years of D1 experience. And some of the bigger schools, you can't say that. And I think you, you've seen that in the tourney. You've seen kind of closer matchups. 
And it's definitely a reflection in the number because the numbers are much tighter than they've ever been before. No, and Memphis is another team. I believe Memphis has, uh, you know, four fifth-year seniors uh, on their on their team. They're a pretty uh, an older team too. And I know that, you know, from a handicapping perspective, you want to have. Uh, you know, you want to bet on those teams. I mean, you like to have the experience. You, you know, it's uh, you know, kind of getting away a little bit. You know, because of the COVID year and because of the transfer portal, kind of getting away from you know those those one and done you know type of teams like you know uh, Kentucky used to field all the time. And maybe one of the reasons why Kentucky is struggling a little bit this uh this year, and we're seeing teams like Penn State and other ones like that that uh, have have older teams, you know, and uh, which is cool. And I think I think. People people love that. I mean, heck, in close to home here in the Mountain West Conference, you see that with Utah State. Right, right. I mean, for example, I mean, Kennesaw State, you know, most people might not know that much about, but I mean, they're returning the most minutes played um, from their team last year. So 81% of the minutes played on their team this year was from kids who played last year. So, you, you know, they're a prohibitive underdog, no question about it in their first game. But they're a team that has at least, at least been in games that they've trailed before, been in some big games before throughout their conference. They have something to pull from. So, you know, I think we're always looking at, you know, stats. Uh, Texas, you know, A&M Corpus Christi is the number one free throw, free throw shooting team in the country. Um, Furman is the number one, you know, uh, two-point conversion team uh, in the country percentage-wise. So we're always kind of looking at that stuff. And I think that, you know, we're in such an information era right now that the guests are so much more educated and so much more on top of it. And shows like yours and a lot of the shows on TV, they're talking about these stats and trends and how some of these smaller schools measure up. And I think that's what's really made the tournament, you know, so great. It's not just looking at the top, you know, say four to eight teams and saying uh, one of those is going to automatically win. Um, maybe someone else has a chance. But strangely enough, the last five champions have all been number one seeds, and 12 of the last 15 champions have all been number one seeds. However, the last time the number one overall team won, which happens to be Alabama this year, was 10 years ago. It was 2013 when Louisville won the national championship. So uh, ones have kind of dominated uh, so far overall in the tournament. But there's just so many kind of cool stats out there that make you kind of you know look at what's going on and, and you know, is there a chance for a, for a Cinderella story? I'll throw a couple more real quick at you. Since 79, a double-digit seed has reached the Sweet 16 39 out of 43 times. A number one seed in that same time frame from 79 has won the tournament 29 out of 43 times. So that tells you that Cinderella always seems to get invited to the dance and stay out a little bit later, <laughs> but for whatever reason, she's not leaving the dance as the as you know, uh, as Cinderella, yeah. because uh, a number one seed is still prevailing most of those years. Yeah, exactly. Not and not leaving with as uh, the prom queen with the crown uh, on her head. <laughs> right? Good stuff, Chuck. Great stuff. Uh, great stuff. And I know our listeners uh, really uh, appreciate all of that, Chuck. Esposito. I've got I've got one more for you, T. That's really interesting. Yeah. You know how we always talk about the five twelve, right? Yeah. Where um, yep. you know the 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 uh, the twelve seeds have really pulled off upsets in the past uh twice last year um i think you can make a case this year some of those 12 seeds really are live it's college of charleston uh, drake or or vcu but think about this in the history of the tournament um you know, of course ones have won it twos have won it threes fours six seven and eights 
But of the top eight, the only seed that has never won it, and we talk about the upset special of 5 versus 12, is the number five seed. So if you're a number five seed this year, you have to feel a little bit like, hmm, can I buck that trend or not? <laughs> and it's funny because we were talking about the the seeds uh, yesterday, and there's some five seeds that – I, I don't really like. I mean, I think I think San Diego State is is overseeded at, at five, believe it or not. And you know, Duke is is kind of hot. Miami, you know, they got they got an injury problem. And then St. Mary's, who got blown out by Gonzaga, nice season by St. Mary's. But as we know, we've seen St. Mary's sometimes have matchup problems. So I'm looking at these five seeds, and I'm I'm xing out just about all those. And I know Duke has been a great story, but let's be honest, Chuck, nobody expected Duke to have the season they've had this year, especially with Coach K retiring and John Shire, and then they didn't get off to a great start. Uh, but yeah, I, so I, I could see that. So I'm scratching off all those fives. Well, I mean, Duke is still playing really well. I mean, you always yeah. want a team that isn't necessarily playing well at the beginning of the year, but kind of healthy and playing well at the end of the year. We know they're in the same bracket as Purdue, and you know, you, you kind of look at the committee and go, really? Um, that you know, it's it's a bracket that Duke can win coming out of that seed. Um, Duke does come in. They, they did get blown out by Purdue earlier in the season. Uh, Duke is the biggest team in the tourney, though. Duke's average height is six seven. So they come in as the biggest team in the tourney. Um, they are a very hot team right now, but I think you look at College of Charleston as, as a 12, you know, 31 and 3, and the intense D that they play. Uh, Drake against Miami. Um, we know the injury, uh, Tomir on, on Miami, and, and you kind of talked about St. Mary's a little bit. So there are definitely some questions uh, with some of those number five seeds. And we talk about the 5 12, at least in that opening matchup. Like Chuck said, at least one number 12 seed is defeated at five in 32 of those 37 tournaments last year it happened twice right yeah yeah richmond beat uh iowa and new mexico state uh, defeated yukon uh just last year but again it's it's all about the matchups uh, a lot of times it's it's the crazy bounce um you know that gets you as well too so. I, I just yeah, you're right i just like to throw some of the, the you know some of the stats and trends out because i think you know conventional wisdom is look at the who the favorite is in the game or the highest seed but yeah. i mean you think about the last two years t a number 15 seed has won an opening round game. Right. Um, it has never happened three straight years. Right. Um, but there's just so many things, you know, that you can kind of look at. The Big 12 is trying to win, you know, three consecutive um, titles in 30 years. Um, you know, when you look at uh, Baylor and Kansas, um, can, can they get one of their schools to do it uh, and win three consecutive um, you know, national championships. So there's just some kind of cool trends. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to throw all this out when the games start. And you and I can talk later in the week or next week. And we'll be throwing all this out the window. But it's kind of fun to talk about all this stuff um, and, and seeing how it plays out uh, once the games get playing on Thursday and Friday. No, and you're right. And we just go back last year and the year before. And you remember uh, what St. Pete's was a, a 15 seed and Oral Roberts. Uh, when right, Earl Roberts right. knocked yep. off Ohio State two years ago, I remember being in the room for that, and and people were losing their mind with that. You know, I uh, I remember a guy uh, I was sitting next to who had Oral Roberts. He knew nothing about basketball whatsoever, and he goes, "Hey, I just think they're a pretty cool name." Oral, I'm betting on them, and he, and, and the guy showed me a five hundred dollar ticket that he got on Oral Roberts beating Ohio State. And he got, and then last year, same thing, you know, St. Peter's, no one saw St. Peter's coming. And, and like I said, both of those, well, you know what, uh, Oral Roberts made to the Sweet 16, but St. Pete's went to the Elite Eight. Now, granted, things kind of fell in their favor after that. You know, the other teams got knocked off, but 
you're right. It just it could happen. It could be it could be a 13. It could be a 14. It could be a 12, a 15. You know, and it, it could shock you to who's going to still be alive uh, next weekend. I think that's what makes it so much fun. I, I mean, it's been you know UNLV won the national championship 33 years ago, and what made that unique is they are the last team that to win the last school to win the national championship that the conference that they came out of had less than four bids. And if you look at two teams this year, number one seed Houston from the American, only two bids. And if you look at the number three seed Gonzaga, uh, only two bids from the uh, West, uh, West Coast Conference. So when you think about just kind of the strength of schedule and who they play, um, we know we've, we've talked about the Zags for a number of years that, you know, can they get to that next level? They're on an extremely good and talented team, they get a lot of backing. But when you look at that stat of 33 years, you really start thinking about kind of the strength of schedule and conferences that put six, seven, and eight teams there. That teams are schools are playing somebody who's going to be in the tournament during conference play almost every night. That is not the case for Houston and Gonzaga. All right, great stuff from Chuck Esposito there uh, at Red Rock. All right, Chuck. Let's uh, talk look about some of these uh, opening round games here. Which games actually kind of maybe you, you took a lot of action on, or maybe a little surprise that you took some action on, where maybe people felt like, okay, maybe that number's not right. Is is there a couple games that really stand out as far as volume? I'm just going to touch on games. I think in every re- in every region, T that kind of um, I want to see. Uh, I, I look at the South, and I think the Maryland um, West Virginia game. Um, is a really intriguing matchup. I think Creighton is a team in the South that could kind of make a surprise run. You look at last year, they were playing without their best player. Uh, they had an outstanding recruiting class. They got off to a really rough start this year, but then started to play well towards the end of the year. Um, so I think Creighton's one of those teams for me that is an extreme sleeper just based on the price. And the second-round matchup I'm looking forward to, if it happens, would be Arizona-Missouri. Um, in the East, Duke Oral Roberts, just because of the contract, in styles to me. Um, and then second round matchup, it becomes Duke, Tennessee. I think that's a pretty good matchup. Uh, Midwest, Iowa, Auburn, um, is a matchup that I'm looking forward to. I think Auburn's a team that just because of their size, um, and how, and how they have kids that have been there a few years, I think they're a team that can make a, a little bit of a run. And Penn State, Texas, if it works out that way, I think in the second round would be a really good matchup. And then out West, you're going to love this. UConn against Iona, against Ricky P. Um, uh, second round matchup, if it happens, if UConn wins, UConn TCU. I think TCU's flying under the radar a little bit. But there are so many kind of great storylines, and I could go through so many of these games. I just wanted to kind of give it more of a brief kind of overview of some of the games that have, have kind of piqued my interest. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm sure everyone who's listening would have a, a different game that kind of piques theirs that they want to see. Um, but there's a lot of really good matchups on Thursday and Friday. And don't forget tonight and tomorrow night you have those up, uh, the play-in games, which are really good as well. Yeah, and you got uh, Mississippi State and Pittsburgh uh, tonight, then Arizona State and Nevada. And a lot of, you know, questions about should uh, UNR be in this tournament, especially the way they close the season, losing against Wyoming and then UNLV. And, heck, the Rebels swept them this year. And then you look at uh, how they lost to San Jose State in the opening round of the Mountain West. And, and 
they made the tournament. I mean, they made a tournament. Now they got to play, you know, uh, in the play-in game against uh, an Arizona State team who upset Arizona a couple weeks ago. So that's interesting uh, as well, too, Chuck. And talk a little bit about that and and the Mountain West Conference teams that are in there uh, with Boise State and San Diego State drawing a number five seed, and then of course Utah State, uh, you know, kind of a popular pick as well. Yeah, Utah State's a, a small favorite. Uh, Boise's a small underdog. Um, San Diego State's a, a team meet for me. To, I could see them having problems with Kyle at Charleston. Yep. I could also see him winning two or three games. So, you know, it, it just depends on how these teams come out. And I, I think, you know, so much of it's matchup-driven. And, again, I can't say it enough. It, it's The longer that these kids play together, you really see that when the – when the tournament starts, but this College of Charleston team is really good at 31 and three. They have a number of the intangibles you look for for a team to to win a game in the first round and pull off an upset. And you know they really have them. But uh, overall, again, I, I think you know the Mount West hasn't done great. Um, look for them to maybe kind of bounce back this year and get a few wins. But that that game, College of Charleston and, and San Diego State, to me is a little intriguing too. Chuck, going back to Thursday and Friday and you know the the opening weekend here is just so much fun fantastic and everybody wants to you know have action how does it compare to a regular NFL Sunday cuz you had mentioned you know earlier you know that you know how much action you get on an NFL Sunday how does it compare like say how is Thursday going to compare to uh, an NFL Sunday i think you know it is a fair comparison and i think the reference about you know four straight Pro Football Sundays is fair. I think the difference is is that on a Pro Football Sunday, you've got really relatively kind of two really busy kickoff times, and then you've got the one late game. Um, For the college basketball tournament on Thursday and Friday, um, we're going to have expanded hours. We're open earlier. We stay we stay open later. But I think it's that you know everyone you know starts coming in early for that early barrage of games, and then it's just kind of one barrage after another. You've got the early one, the second one, then you have some staggering of it. Then you've got kind of the four thirty games, and then like the six thirty or seven seven o'clock games. I think it's more that you've got at least four or five huge waves of games, which just create kind of it's a different atmosphere with all the different games going on at the same time. Um, the crowd in the book to me, it, it, I mean, and the sounds that, that echo from the book are contagious throughout the property. They make it fun. I think the entire property kind of transforms into, you know, hoops madness. And a number of the bars and, and venues are, are showing the games at all of our, our properties. And there's just drink specials and, and cool stuff going on. And I actually have more guests that tell me they're coming in for the tournament and asking for seats than I do for Super Bowl. People that are telling me, both guys and, and, and girls, you know, they come in for the tournament every year. They never miss, you know, spending it in the book because the atmosphere is so much fun. And that's what I'm looking forward to this year again. You got that right. All right, Chuck, we appreciate the time as always. We'll look forward to talking with you next week. Uh, enjoy the busy, busy weekend. But, hey, I know you'll be having a lot of fun as well, too. Of course, T. I mean, I love it. It's like my, my first year being in the tournament. I mean, every year I have just as much fun. Love spending time out there with the guests. Uh, you know, we'll be sweating back here and hooting and hollering, and uh, uh, it's going to be fun. And uh, I, I'm anxious to see who Cinderella is 
and I can't wait to see who David is against against Goliath. Now, now Chuck, un, 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 underneath, you know, your collared shirt or your jacket or whatever, are you gonna <laughs> you gonna have a college uh, college shirt on or anything? You gonna be you know kind of secretly rooting for somebody? Come on, your alma mater. What's going you on? Ask me that during football. You know, if I'm gonna wear a bear shirt, I'm rooting for whoever we need. Uh, I mean, I want to have fun, and um, you know, I, I just I said underneath, whole, Chuck, where is. no one can see. I'm just saying underneath. <laughs> you know, come on. I'm not answering that question, T. <laughs> there it is. All right. All right. Well, we'll, we'll talk to Jason Symbols. Hey, Jason, did you see Chuck uh, changing in between games? I don't know what that is. <laughs> all right. Sounds good, buddy. Hey, great stuff, my friend. Appreciate you. Enjoy the weekend. We'll all be enjoying it. All right. Thanks, T. You too. There it is. Chuck Esposito. Go see him. Go see the great crew out at the Red Rock. Uh, any of the station casino properties. Get into that last man standing contest. Twenty five bucks uh, per entry, and if you get a fifth, it's uh, it's free for a hundred bucks. So do that. It is a lot of fun. Nick Nice loves doing that. All right. Want to thank Steve Lapis, the head coach, and great job at CBS Sports. Tim Brando, who has called so many of these March Madness tournaments, and he's currently with Fox right now. Uh, we got want to thank him. And everybody else. I want to thank Nick and Numchuck. TC back at you tomorrow at 2 o'clock. And wherever you go, check out the show, tcmartinshow.com.